This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Well, this morning we're starting a new series, a brand new series in the book of Psalms. We're calling it Songs for the Soul. Now, Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. It contains 150 songs. Songs are powerful, aren't they? Like, I mean, music in general, it, it's a powerful thing. It has the ability to maybe get your foot tapping a little bit. Maybe your hips swaying with just a few notes. Some songs carry really significant meaning. Maybe for a a couple, they hear a song. Oh, that's our song. That's our song. Oh, that's our song. Maybe. Other songs, they have an uncanny ability of cheering us up, taking us back to maybe to a fond childhood moment or memory. Here's a little experiment. See how this goes. Hakuna Matata. And there's smiles all around. Two words. It's amazing The power that music has, just a few notes, the lyrics, the crescendos, all working together. And the book of Psalms, again, songs. It's the original hymn book for the people of God. The worship book. It's meant to guide us through the emotions that we feel. Through the experiences that we go through. In this book, you're going to find Wisdom songs that tell us about the general way that life works and how God has ordered it. You're going to find songs about royalty or the kingship of God, of how he rules and reigns and governs everything. You're going to find songs that are thanksgiving songs, just listing many different ways why we should praise God and give thanks to him. And you're going to even find lament songs that teach us how to grieve well and in a godly way. These songs are meant to be read They're meant to be prayed through. They're meant to be sung by individuals, families, or the entire congregation. This morning, we're going to read Psalm 1. So if you have your Bibles or Bible app, whatever you're using, I invite you to turn to Psalm 1. It is a wisdom song. But it's much more than that because it serves not only as the introduction to the book of Psalms, but almost as a summary of the whole book as well. It's meant to encourage us and to instruct us and to motivate us to love God, to delight in Him, to trust Him. We're going to go through this verse by verse. And we're going to see that in contrast to the way of the wicked, which is described, we're going to see that true blessing is found as we delight in God and pursue the way of righteousness. So let's read Psalm 1 together. Verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. 
Okay, we're going to go back up to the first three verses. We're going to start by looking at the contrast here between the way of the wicked, the way of the righteous. So we're looking first at the way of the righteous as uh, given to us by the first three verses here. Back at verse 1, says, Blessed or blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. What does it mean to be blessed? It's a term we use a lot. It's a hashtag we put on our social media posts all the time. Oh, I'm so blessed. I'm... But what does that, the word mean? Quite simply, it means to be happy or fortunate. So we could read verse 1 and say, happy is the one or fortunate is the one who doesn't do these things that he's about to list. It's like a negative approach. Who avoids the way of the wicked. You will be happy. You will be fortunate. You will be better off if you avoid these things. What types of things? Here we go. Walking in the counsel of the wicked. What does it mean to walk in the counsel of the wicked? This is talking about uh, not just I happen to be walking by and I hear maybe somebody who's ungodly saying something and I just keep going. This is actually sitting down and taking in the advice, the counsel of those who would be classified by someone as being wicked, evil, sinful, ungodly. You go to them for their help, for their counsel, but it's wicked counsel. So the question for us is, who do we listen to? What voices do we allow to influence our thoughts, to influence our actions and our lives? Psalm 1 says that we will be happy, we will be blessed if we don't listen to the counsel of the wicked. One quick example of someone who failed to do this was King Rehoboam. In 1 Kings chapter 12, you can look up the story later, I'm just going to summarize. Rehoboam becomes king. He's the son of Solomon. King Solomon is now gone, and here comes his son, Rehoboam. And he abandons the wise, godly counsel of the older men who had been Solomon's advisors. Instead, he chooses to listen to the unwise counsel of the wicked young men he grew up with. And the result is the entire nation of Israel becomes split and divided because of listening to ungodly, wicked counsel. Now, in our lives, the consequences may not be as severe. We may not ever be the king of a nation, but the principle still translates. We have to be careful of the kind of counsel that we take in, that we seek. Next, he says, standing in the way of sinners. So there's a progression here. First, we're listening to their advice. Now, this is beyond listening to the advice. This is participation with them in the sinful acts. He says, blessed are you, happy are you if you don't do this. And we might say, oh yeah, that makes sense, I think so. But how often are we, are we brought in through temptations to participate in sinful things with sinful people? And I want to be clear, I want to be very clear, this is not saying you have to completely avoid the world and live in a bubble and have nothing to do with anybody who doesn't follow God. That's not what this is saying. Right? We need to understand this is a wisdom song. We are called to interact with and hopefully witness to and win those who don't follow the Lord yet. But who are you aligning with? Who are you standing with? Is it the sinners or is it the righteous? Do you spend the time with people, engaging with them in their lifestyle? Which people? Do you stand with the sinners or do you stand with those who say, no, 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 the word of God, I'm trying to follow Jesus. Okay, let's try to follow Jesus together. 
Lastly, we have sitting in the seat of scoffers or mockers. Again, beyond now participating in the sinful things, this is an outright commitment to do evil. Sitting in the seat of scoffers or sitting in the seat of mockers is now I'm sitting down and gathering people and I'm advising them to do wickedness. I'm telling them to mock God and telling them to mock the people who follow God and I'm teaching people now how to pursue wickedness. And so there's progression here. And if we're honest, there are many, many people right now that are mocking what we're doing today. Maybe some of us in this room used to be these mockers. What do you mean you're going to church on Sunday? That's dumb. Why wouldn't you sleep in? But you actually read the Bible. It's just some old book. You give your money away? You pray? And yet, some of us here who maybe used to be mockers are sitting here now by the grace of God and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, now no longer mockers, but here understanding and knowing who God is and worshiping Him and have become transformed and now follow Him. And despite what the mocking world says, you are blessed following the Lord. Now let's talk about verse 2. So verse 1 is all about the negative angle. You're blessed if you don't do these things. Verse 2 is the positive angle. Here's some things to pursue. Here's some things to do. He says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night. So the word law in Hebrew, it's the word Torah. It can definitely mean a specific law or a specific command, but also has a broader teaching of kind of like saying, uh, it's the whole instruction of God. It's the ways of God. Blessed are you if you delight in the ways of God. Uh, bottom line, what is your attitude concerning the Bible? The Word of God, which reveals to us the ways of God, right? What is your attitude towards the Bible? Do you delight in the Bible? Do you even like the Bible? Do you like reading it? Do you like hearing it read? Do you, do you like studying it? Or is the Bible some chore that some pastor or some parent or friend or relative says, hey, you should read the Bible. Okay, I guess I should. And it's just some duty that you just check off the list. And if you, if you were to make a list of all the things that you enjoy in your life, where on that list does the Bible rank? It says the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. Thomas Kempis has said, I have no rest but in a nook with the book. And he says he meditates on his law day and night. Clearly not literally saying 24-7 all you ever do is read the Bible. You obviously have to sleep and eat and go to work and those types of things. But the idea is that there should be a saturation of the Word of God in our lives that our whole worldview is oriented this way so that our thoughts, our actions, our whole lives are informed by the Word of God. The one who does this will be blessed. And so we ask ourselves, okay, does the Word of God saturate my life? Does it inform my life? What I do, what I say, where I go, how I respond and react to different things. Is the Word of God in my heart, in my mind to do that? 
So I want us to do a practical exercise. I'm going to invite all of you to participate with this one. Sorry, there was no warning. I'm going to read a phrase or a slogan or part of a song, and you guys are going to fill in the blank. You're going to complete it together, out loud, as a congregation, if you know it. If you don't know it, don't worry about it. But if you know it, just say it, okay? We can do this? Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to do a practice round, okay? Like a good neighbor. Okay, there you go. You got it. How about this one? Because it's one, two, three strikes. Okay, okay, you got that one. Just a city boy. Okay, okay, all right. I can't get no. Oh, we know that one. That's the way, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> uh, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. Yeah. I don't know if you know this one. Jingle bells, Batman smells. Ba da ba ba ba. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how about this one? Jesus answered them, saying, "I am the way." Yes! Nice work. Okay, one more. In the beginning was the Word. Yeah! Way to go! Okay, now, the point of this was not to discourage you or heap guilt on you if you didn't know John 14.6 or John 1.1. That was not the point. I'm thankful that there was a lot of... Mostly I heard it. But... The point of doing this exercise is simply to help us understand that repetition breeds memory. Especially if there's a song included in it. Right? And we think about the phrases, we think about the songs, that, and we hear these over and over and over in our day. And it's just ingrained in a brain. Anytime I hear, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I think, mm, McDonald's, Big Mac, chicken nuggets, I'm there. Right? It's just in there because I've heard it so many times. And if only we could do that with Scripture, where we've heard it so many times. Which is why one of the benefits is actually reading it out loud, hearing it read out loud. It just helps to get it in the brain. And Psalm 1 says that doing so will result in blessing. Does anybody here want blessing in their life? Yes. Amen. I hope. Psalm 1 is saying, okay, get into the Bible. Or Get the Bible into you. Yes, read it. Sing it. Yeah, that might help you remember it. Sing it. Listen to it. Talk about it. Just get into it. And the results, look at verse 3. He says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So picture this big healthy tree. If it helps, you can close your eyes. A huge oak or a maple by a stream or something like that. Really tall, lots of branches, full green leaves all over the place. Why is it growing? Why is it thriving? 
because of its proximity to the stream. Constant nourishment. Its roots are able to go deeper and deeper and deeper and soak up the nutrients. And so it stands tall as it gets stronger and stronger. This is the picture that Psalm 1 gives us of the person who delights in God and His Word and who meditates on the Word. They have strong and deep roots and they are strong, strong, strong. Why? Because they're constantly being nourished by the Word of God. A recent study in the United States found that only 20% of churchgoers, that's a group that admits that they attend church regularly, only 20% of these churchgoers read the Bible four times a week or more. And when they do read it, on average it's for 15 minutes or less. That same study showed that those same churchgoers watch an average of three hours of TV a day. So do we think that we will be, or that we can be, strong, thriving trees with deep roots if we have 15 minutes or less with God and His Word and three hours or more with TV, not counting other media, and it starts to... And and for some people, Sunday morning is all the Bible intake they receive in a week. They don't even have those other 15 minutes on the other days. And, and please don't get me wrong. Please hear me. I'm not trying, I want to be very clear on this. We are so glad that you come for the Sunday morning time to hear the word spoken. Wherever you are on, uh, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, whether you've been a believer for years and years and years and you study the Bible an hour a day or more, or you don't even know who Jesus is and this is your first time at a church, we are pumped that you're here. Okay, we're excited that you're here and we want to help you along the journey wherever you're at. But the point of all this is just simply to say that 30 minutes of teaching from the Word of God is not enough for us to become strong trees. We need constant nourishment from the Word. The end of verse 3 says, In all that he does, he prospers. This doesn't necessarily guarantee material wealth and prosperity. Okay, this is a wisdom song. It's how the, the general way that things go. And there is a general pattern in Scripture that those who obey and follow the Lord will experience blessing of various kinds. Sometimes that may be financial wealth, but sometimes that won't be. There's other sorts of other blessings. And it's important for us to understand that verse 3 is still talking about this image of a tree. How does a tree prosper? How do you know if a tree is prospering? Well, if it's big, it's getting more and more and more branches, which can offer more shade. If it's a fruit tree, it's getting, producing more and more fruit. But here's the thing. Offering shade and producing fruit are for the benefit of others, not for the benefit of the tree itself. So if you are blessed by the Lord financially, it's not simply that you can just like, sweet, I can now enjoy this and have the prosperity just on myself. You are blessed to be a blessing to other people who may not be experiencing that kind of financial intake. Okay? This is the way of the righteous. Verses 1 to 3. Delighting in the Lord. Saturating your life with the Bible. It's the way of blessing. 
And Psalm 1 lays it out in such a way that it's to be desired by all people. And now we move to a stark contrast of verses 4 to 6, which show us the way of the wicked. Look at verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked are not like what? They're not so. They're not like strong trees. They're not thriving. They're not enduring. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. I have actually had the opportunity to thresh wheat one time. Many of us probably have not done this. But you gather wheat, okay, and chaff surrounds the little edible, uh, heavier wheat kernel on the plant. And as you would gather it, you thresh it, you can beat it, and then as you would throw it up in the air, the wind takes the chaff because it falls off and it's gone. And then you're left with the edible wheat kernel, which is what you want. This is the picture that Psalm 1 gives of the wicked. They're like chaff. There's no roots. There's no nourishment. There's no endurance. There's no lasting, thriving, or anything like that. And so we want to ask ourselves, do we identify with the chaff, or do we identify more with the strong tree? And who do we want to identify with? Strong tree, deep roots, chaff that's blown away. In verse 5, we get a therefore statement. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Based on what we've heard, therefore, right? Based on what you've heard or what you would have sung if you, if you were singing Psalm 1, the righteous are the strong, healthy trees, the wicked are like chaff, so therefore the conclusion is given that the wicked won't stand in the judgment. Again, wisdom song. This is important for us to understand because there are many times that many of the wicked, many of the ungodly seem to be experiencing really good, easygoing life, Right? Things seem to be going well for them. Maybe they're prospering in many different ways and and aren't seeming to deal with a lot of the cares that maybe believers are dealing with. And we look at them and we can envy them. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're not even caring about the Lord, but look at all this. Look at what they have. But the Bible is clear. They may be succeeding for a moment, but they won't stand in the judgment. We don't really like to talk about judgment much these days. I know, because... I've grown up in these days. <laughs> but we need to. We need to talk about judgment because the Bible actually mentions judgment quite a bit. Scripture is very clear. It tells us that every single person will face God one day and give account to their life. And He will execute perfect judgment on everyone. Just one example Hebrews 9.27 It is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. And Psalm 1 says the wicked are not going to stand in the judgment. Yes, they might stand for a season right now, but they're not going to stand. I mean, think about it for a second. Maybe this is going to be helpful for us. It was helpful for me as I was studying and preparing. Think about standing before God. Like we're talking about God here. Let's get a big picture of who God is. Sometimes we make him really small and it's not healthy. The creator of the universe who spoke everything into existence, who made all the planets, who made you, 
who's awesome in power, who's perfectly holy and righteous and is the judge of the earth. You think that you're just going to be able to walk up to him and stand before him? Psalm 1 says, you might think so, but the reality is, you're going to get up there and it's just going to be like, chaff, blown away. It's, It's almost as if Psalm 1 is saying, don't you get it? You can't disobey him and rebel against him your whole life, go against him, mock him in his ways and his followers, pursue wickedness, and think that it's all going to be good. It's not going to happen. It says sinners will not be in the congregation of the righteous. They will not stand in the judgment. They will not be in the congregation of the righteous. And you might say, what's the congregation of the righteous? Heaven, eternity, New earth with Jesus forever in glory. Scripture is really clear. There's going to be no sinners in the assembly, the congregation of the righteous. There will be no sinners, wickedness, sin in heaven. But just to make sure we don't go down this little arrogant path of like, oh yeah, it's going to be rough for the wicked. I'm glad that I'm righteous. Let's just remember that we're only righteous because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Right? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And for our sake, He, God, made Him, Jesus, to be sin, to be sin who knew no sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God. The only way that we can stand in the judgment is because Jesus stood in our place and took the wrath of God for us. We need to remember that. Jesus in my place. So now I'm set free from my sin and now I can go from being chaff, destined for judgment, to becoming this tree that's learning to be nourished by the word of God, growing and strong, and join the assembly of the righteous. And because we have experienced this grace and mercy, we should then also try to persuade the wicked to forsake their wicked ways and come and put their trust in Jesus because mercy and forgiveness and grace is available. Rather than just say, well, we're righteous and you're not. Uh, I wasn't always righteous. Let me tell you how that happened. Trying to increase the number of people in the congregation of the righteous at that final day. Now verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God knows. Uh, This is beyond just an intellectual knowledge. God is omniscient. That is, he knows everything perfectly, everything there possibly could be. This is beyond that. This is this idea of a personal, intimate, um, approving kind of knowledge. He knows the ways of the righteous. This is meant to be a sweet encouragement to those of us who are trying to follow the Lord and maybe are faced with many temptations, many trials, and it's hard. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're this morning and you're like, I feel like I'm the only one in my family, or I feel like I'm the only one in my school, or the only one in my neighborhood, or the only one in my workplace that even cares at all about God, and it's hard, it's hard for me to endure. And I feel like, I feel like nobody sees, and, and, and I, I'm studying, and, and God, what's going on, or whatever. God knows. He sees And he knows. He knows the way of the righteous. Keep enduring. Stay faithful. 
Yes, there's so many temptations. Yes, there's so many trials. There's so many hardships. And sometimes they're so confusing. But keep trusting the Lord and find your delight in Him because it is the way of blessing and it'll be worth it in the end. It'll be worth it in the end. And it says, the way of the wicked will perish. I love that it says, the way of the wicked will perish. Not just the wicked will perish, the way of the wicked will perish. The whole system of evil will be done away with. It'll be gone. I mean, right now it's hard. Right now we're in a battle. And some of us might be sitting here and we're like, I'm trying to be this strong tree and say no to sin and say no to temptation and yes to the Lord. And no, I'm not going to do that. I'm supposed to be a tree. I'm supposed to be a tree. I need some water. I need some nourishment. Where, where's the Lord? And it's just this battle every day. Oh, I failed here and then I tried here. Oh, that was success. Fail, fail, battle, 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 battle. And it's hard. It's hard. And we, we might think, oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to endure. I don't think I'm going to be able to overcome. Lord, I need you. Help, 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 help. But one day, the way of the wicked will perish. It's going to be gone. Those with saving faith in Jesus Christ will experience eternity with God in perfection, completely removed from the very presence of any sin. Be gone. Be gone. But until that day comes, the charge for us is to pursue the way of the righteous. To pursue the way of blessing. To become, by God's grace, like that tree with deep roots, meditating on the Word, Delighting in the Lord. Following His ways. It's the way of the righteous. It's the way of true blessing. No matter what anyone else will say. Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. Will you heed its wisdom today? Let's pray together. Father God, you are king over all the earth and your word is true and powerful and applicable. You know the hearts of every single person here right now, what they're going through, what they have faced, what they will face. But your word has clearly stated and shown the way of blessing, the way of righteousness is found as we seek you, as we cling on to you, meditate on you. And Lord, I pray for everybody here, wherever we're at, maybe we feel like we're just a little sapling, just getting started. Lord, would you work by your Spirit's power to give each one of us a hunger and a desire for you, to truly delight in you and in your word so that we may grow and become stronger and stronger. And, and maybe, maybe some of us here are that big, strong tree with experience. Or would you use those people to help those saplings along, to teach, to provide shade, to offer fruit? Lord, I pray that you would also help us to have eyes to see that the wicked and the way of the wicked will perish 
And on one side, that's an encouragement for us, but on another side, it should be motivating to us to tell other people about the only hope of salvation that's found in your Son. That there is a way, there is a way to avoid perishing, to avoid destruction. And it's you, Jesus. Give us opportunities and give us the courage to take them. We thank you so much, Lord, for you are so good to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.